This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners, and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. As we are based here in the UK, all times are in GMT. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 16th to the 22nd of January. I'm Ezzie Pearson, the magazine's features editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by reviews editor Paul Manny. Hello, Paul. Hello there, Ezzie. Now we're back to normal now for this week, aren't we? So uh, quite a few events to look out for. Yes. So what do we have to look forward to over the coming week? Well, we did mention that Mercury would have a poor apparition over the last few weeks. We mentioned that. But Mercury does creep into the early morning twilight sky. So we're looking from the 16th onwards, but it isn't a particularly good appearance, but it can be seen. It's one of those things, sometimes you can get a mindset where you only go for the really best apparitions. And sometimes the others are actually okay. It's just you have to work a bit harder at them. So keen observers may spot it on an uncluttered low horizon in the southeast, you will have to set your alarm for the 7 a.m., but it's Mercury's in twilight. It's always going to be a silly o'clock time, isn't it? <laughs> 7, 7 a.m., I think that's, you know, like if you get up early to go to work, it just means getting up a little bit early. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So 7, I don't think it's too unreasonable to be getting up in the morning. I've done that. I, I remember uh, there was uh, two planets in the morning sky. It was um, it was actually Venus and Jupiter. And I remember setting off early for work and uh, parking up and getting some photographs. This was on slide film in those days. Uh, unfortunately, I got a bit carried away and then I realised the time and I got in. So I was five minutes late. Naughty. Slapped wrist. Why are you late? Tried to explain. They weren't impressed. But when I eventually got the pictures and showed them, they went, wow. Oh, see now why you were late. That was that's quite impressive. Well done. So it is well worth, but don't go into work late. <laughs> Make sure you get up. Don't get in trouble because uh, you, I don't want you blaming Paul Money sort of thing or Ezzy Pearson for that. But it is worth it because I say poor Mercury sometimes it, it gets a bit of a bad um, reputation because it's always only visible in twilight, which is true. But some twilight apparitions are better than others. This is a pretty poor one, but it is visible. So, you know, you never know. You might spot this over in the southeast. It's to the left of southeast, uh, low down at seven o'clock. And if you do, it'll be the brightest object in that part of the sky anyway. So, you know, well worth having a look at that. Now, on the 18th, we're still in the morning sky at the moment. The moon has been in the morning sky and it is decreasing in phase. It's heading towards a thick crescent and thinner and thinner and thinner over the next few days. And so on the 18th, it's actually just above the orange star Antares in Scorpius. This is the heart of the Scorpion. So it's going to be a slim crescent. You'll see Earthshine. We've often mentioned Earthshine last year. Uh, I make no apologies. We're going to mention it again because it is gorgeous. This ephemeral glowing of the night side 
because of light bouncing off the Earth's reflective ocean and atmosphere. And sort of like it's like thinning flash that photographers use sort of thing. So you've got the bright crescent, which is sunlight, but then you've got the feeble glowing rest of the moon as well sort of thing. I think it looks ghostly, sort of thing, hanging there in the sky. So on the 18th, then, it's just to the upper right of Antares. And then on the 19th, it's further down. Again, look around seven o'clock, but it's nearly level with Mercury. It's well off to the side, whereas Mercury is uh, sort of to the sort of left of southeast, uh, the moon will be to the right. But you should see them so that you've got a chance to see Mercury and the slim crescent moon as well. Around about the southeast to the south southeast for that particular view itself. So, you know, I, I love these. They're, they're sort of like they are ephemeral events sort of thing. And, and I think there's some there's an aspect, you know, Ezzy, about the early morning that it, often it's calm, it's still. And there's, there's that, you don't get that for some reason quite in the evenings, I think. It's probably the bustle of activity. People are probably coming home from work or whatever. But the mornings, it seems to be calm and still and there's a special time. Yeah, there tends to still be people on the roads in the evening, even until quite late. People, you know, coming home from the pub. <laughs> um, or from work later in the night. But yeah, in the mornings, it does. It is, it is a very different vibe that's happening. I also think this one is quite good. You know, if you've perhaps never looked towards Mercury before, and you, you're, you're never entirely sure whether it is that you, you've got it, um, this is another good one because it will be level with the moon. So you've got a nice pointer make, showing that you're looking in the right area of the sky, which is always a great thing if you are a beginner, uh, if you're just getting started in astronomy and, and trying to find out how to find these things, that's a great way to do it. Wait until it's next to something and you'll be able to, if you can find the moon, then you can find it quite easily. And that's the key, isn't it? Because the thing is, the planets do look like stars. I mean, planet means wandering star. So unless you're familiar with the night sky, then it is easy to actually get mixed up with the stars themselves. But having the moon way off to the right, but and level, this is the key, it's actually level with Mercury. So you, you should know. So look to the left of the moon. If you see a star on its own, ah, uh, it'll be Mercury instead, the innermost planet. Okay, now we do have an unusual... Observationally, there's nothing special in a sense about this next event. However, it is, it comes around, but once every 12 years. <laughs> and this is Jupiter at perihelion. Now, perihelion is the closest point of Jupiter's orbit to the sun. And because Jupiter's orbit is 12 years long or thereabouts, it only happens once every 12 years. So if well, we know Jupiter is well placed to observe, so I have it in the early evening on the charts I produce sort of thing. And so have a look at Jupiter. It's at its closest to the sun itself. And so it's, as I say, well worth having a look at. I mean, let's face it, put a telescope on Jupiter. It's always a rewarding object, you know, to look at. You've got the belt sort of thing. You, you've got uh, a, a sort of like these, these sort of like, I can't think of loops, but uh, sort of plumes. That's what I was thinking of, the term plumes coming off, for, especially from the north belt itself. And of course, you've got the moons. I think that's where looms was coming in. It was the moons. My brain was getting confused. It's the moons. Um, now, in the evening, as it happens, that we've got three moons off to the right-hand side of Jupiter, but Ganymede is transiting. So there's a chance you might see the shadow of Ganymede as well, but that's early evening, you're talking about half past five. So that's on the 20th of January, Jupiter perihelion, but always worth looking at a telescope anyway. 
Yeah, because you did mention it will be at perihelion, it will be closer to the sun. Um, I don't think that will actually have any effect on how it appears to us on Earth. Well, it's no. not going to look, look any brighter than it would any other time of year. Um, but it's always a good excuse to look at Jupiter. People always talk about, you know, seeing Saturn, rings of Saturn for the first time or the belts of Jupiter. But for me, it was seeing the moons of Jupiter for the first time. That was when I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, it is, isn't it? I mean, seeing these little tiny dots of light and then the next night they've changed. You think, what? And you realise they're orbiting the planet. I mean, it, it, it is. It's, a, it's one of the, I think it's often a, almost one of those revelationary moments when you realise that Jupiter's got like a, like a miniature solar system with these moons going around it. So, so I think we're very lucky. We've got a bright planet with four bright moons going around it. Well, to finish this week off, we're on the 21st to the 22nd. We're back into the evening twilight. Ah, something convenient, even if it probably is very cold. But we have Venus in conjunction with Saturn. It's closest on the 22nd. Now, very close. Well worth having a look at. Photographers, get your cameras out. There is a faint star in lineup on the 22nd with them. I'm looking at around about 5.30 in the evening. Say, this is local UK time. And if you look from Saturn down to Venus and carry on, you'll end up, in actual fact, at one of the brightest stars of Capricornus. Uh, naturally, I haven't brought it up on my chart, so I can't tell you, but I think it's either Delta or Gamma. I suspect Delta. Thing, you know. <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see that because you've got two bright planets and it'll be bright twilight, but see if you can see that star as well forming a line. It, again, like we said with the moon, when you've got something obvious that points towards it, you can often see a fainter object easier than you would expect. So, uh, But that is the conjunction. So Venus is catching up and it will overtake, as we'll see, um, next week but i don't want to let you into what's happening next week so but, but this is a great conjunction and if you are seeing uh saturn and venus in conjunction together um how can you tell which one is which which one's going to be brighter well venus will outshine saturn tremendously i can't remember how much percentage but it is a <laughs> phenomenal difference but uh, they'll be quite beautiful in binoculars and and a small wide uh, one of these rich field telescopes may well actually just have them in the same field of view. So that, I think, would be worth, well worth. Photography-wise, grab it, yeah. Yeah, you should be able to get them in the same field of view through binoculars then. Oh, definitely, yeah. And probably that star as well I mentioned. Mm-hmm. So definitely one to, to grab a pair of binoculars and, and, and get out and see that one. Um, so thank you, Paul. Certainly sounds like we've got a packed week this week, actually. On the 16th of January, Mercury is going to be creeping into the morning sky. Then on the 18th, the crescent moon is going to be next to Antares in Scorpio. It's a great chance to see some Earth shine there. On the 19th, Mercury and the moon will aim about level in the sky. So it's a great time to try and catch both of those together. Then on the 20th, Jupiter is going to be at its closest approach to the sun, something that only happens every 12 years. So that's always a great excuse to go and look at the biggest planet of our solar system. And then finally, on the 21st to the 22nd of January, Venus is going to be in conjunction with Saturn. So it's a great opportunity to grab a pair of binoculars and be able to see those in the field, same field of view. So some great things to look forward to. Thank you very much, Paul, for taking your time to talk us through all of those. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, be sure to join us next week. Uh, like and subscribe the podcast to make sure that you're always kept up to date with what's going on in the night sky every week. And we'll see you then.
If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify.